Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks, that's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, Steve would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome into the Sox on Tap post game show. Little three way action coming at you here on a hump day. It's Johnny Nani, NWI Steve, and Tony on Tap joining me this evening. Um, boys, frustrating evening for the Chicago White Sox tonight. Um, I don't know how else to say it, but frankly, I'm depressed and ashamed. Well, basically, what I have to say is this. Um, my junior college baseball coach, the immortal Steve Ruzich at South Suburban College, once famously said, when you accept losing, you're a loser. And right now, these guys are fucking losers. Baseball's fun. I like watching baseball. I like drinking beer. I don't like drinking beer and talking baseball with you every single time the White Sox lose, guys, because it's going to be the same exact thing that we've said all year every time this team loses i'm not looking forward to this show i'm going to continue to drink beer and we'll talk about yet another fucking painful loss for the chicago white Sox. misery beers do not taste as good as victory beers this one was within reach and we'll talk about why it was but guys this is getting old and it's getting old fucking fast. Yeah, I was I was d- debating titling this one Broken Record, but I feel like we've had some iteration of that because, like you had said, Tony, it feels like we talk about the same game like a lot here. But um, I did bad beat, bad in all caps, because, like you'd mentioned, uh, A, within reach, um, there were opportunities they did not convert on. They shot themselves in the foot, gave the Royals some outs, and um, it all culminated in uh, an 8-3 loss for our White Sox here. Um, in game three of the series. So before we dive in, uh, listeners, make sure you subscribe on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Join the comment section. We'll feature them during the show. Visit on Tapsportsnet.com for all our Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs and give us a follow on social media at Socks on Tap at on Tap Sportsnet. When right? did you become sad clown? I'm this uh, I, I'm like Tony Soprano, but still I gotta be the sad clown for all for all of our listeners here, Tony. I gotta provide some sort of entertainment. So we're I, we're gonna try I, and rail yeah. off some jokes here, to, you know, like at like our own expense. Um that, that's that's what we're gonna do. So that, that's why my name is Sad Clown here uh on the broadcast. Mo- mo- mostly because the White Sox make me sad, guys. We we Steve, you had said something in a sarcastic tone, but I think it rings true. You said good thing the easy stretch of the schedule is coming up here, right? This is supposed to be the midst of it right now, and the White Sox are playing this, you know. Back and forth, seesaw, win one, lose one, you know, um, lose a couple, then maybe win two. And it's just, it's not a recipe for success. And they really need to step on the gas and they can't seem to find it. The, the, the you know, boots not getting to the pedal there. It's okay because next week the Astros come to the corner of 35th and Shields, you know, the team with the best record in the American League. And then you go to Cleveland, which things always go really well there. So, hey, it, it's fine. It's fine. Um, moral of the story is this. 
they had the opportunity. It was right in front of them with this stretch over the last two and a half, three weeks. They have not capitalized. More of the same, same bullshit we've seen all year. Find different ways to lose games. It's just fucking tiresome at this point. You would think by now, here we are 111 games in into this season, that you would see some sort of marginal improvement in some area. And it's just not happening. The at-bats are shit. They hit the ball on the ground constantly. They don't score runs. I Twittered this earlier on today because there was some discussion going on about this team hitting with two outs. They have the fifth highest batting average in all of baseball with two outs, but they have the 24th ranked OPS in large part because they ranked 26th in slugging with two outs, which very much is in line with what we have seen from this team from an offensive production all season. They are a singles factory more than your local goddamn strip club. I'd just like to offer some conflicting viewpoints uh, here uh, to NWA Steve's acquisitions. If I may approach the bench here, marginal improvement in a couple areas. This team has improved in a couple areas. Uh, a month ago, Steve said that this team was going to be 13 games, uh, you know, below 500 and well out of this race. And yet they've still hung on and still been able to do stuff. Steve wrote an article about DFAing Josh Harrison. He's improved. I think he's improved. I am more than him. marginally. Counselor, I am. I think he's improved more than marginally. Um, and then the bullpen. I would say the bullpen has improved, and and so have the White Sox. Marginally improved over the course of the last month. Where I have a problem with this White Sox team is marginally marginally improving was never going to get the job done. You had to do something massive in order to get the job done. And here's where I'll agree That's with the with said. the with the other side of the of the argument here. Botching the trade deadline was a huge mistake for this ball club because it, oh, you needed something on offense to help fix this. Two of the guys that are like very much to blame in this whole entire thing are your guys that have been argued to have the best plate approach on this team for years to come. And that's Yasmani Grandal, Yoan Mancata. Those guys have the quote-unquote best plate approach out of anyone on this roster and yet have been the ones that have struggled to get the job done consistently throughout this year. That's where you need to see the improvement. My focus is kind of squarely on that. I was going to go and say you could just say had because it's not existent anymore when you're talking about them having the plate approach. That was more of kind of a thing uh, last year, and I feel like kind of earlier this year when you're talking about guys that were being too impatient, too uh, overzealous, right? Um, and those guys would actually see pitches. So that that's where that, I think, stemmed from. But that's had because that, that was all in the past. And you, uh, Tony, I, I like you'd put out the, uh, you know, the was it uh, weather service in Chicago, Put out the uh, White Sox. Uh, what, what is it? What's the alert? It's the uh, White Sox shitty plate approach oh, warning. Right. It, it was in effect again early today. It was. And it, it's like getting those more I'm than not, tornado warnings around I, here. These I'm not days. saying you have to work yourself into like O2 counts. However, from the get go, you're already, you know, setting a bad tone when you're just going up and swinging and then grounding out lightly um, within like one, two pitches. Uh, and A, you're not seeing much from the pitcher. You're not giving your guys on deck any guys on the bench much to see. And then you're also, um, you know, doing yourself in, in your own at bat there. 
what's also happening though as a result of that johnny is that other teams across major league baseball have actual good advanced scouts something that the white Sox do not have and they see this on a night in night out basis and they relay that information along and opposing pitchers use that over aggressiveness against the white Sox to go out there and basically tell their pitchers go out there you don't have to throw the ball in the strike zone because they are going to swing more often than not so if it's close they're going to go ahead and they're going to get themselves out and what do we see almost nightly where does this stem from steve because i'm just going back to last year for example there was a time where there was a giant camp of people that wanted Yasmani Grandal to bat leadoff because he would see the most pitches, his on-base percentage is through the roof. You can make all sorts of arguments in baseball on you want your leadoff guy to be fast or you want your leadoff guy to get on base. There was a whole camp of people who wanted Yasmani Grandal in that position because he displayed those characteristics of somebody who would take pitches, get on base consistently, take his walks, hit for a high average, his bat has absolutely disappeared over the last two years completely. And no, you've seen that's, some stretches. that's over the last uh, two yeah, years. That's, that's yeah, wrong. That's, that's yeah. just flat out wrong. This year, yes. Absolutely. This year, it's absolutely This year, it's gone. absolutely gone. The batting, year, average, that's absolutely the batting gone. average last year, through halfway through the year, We're not was talking abysmal. batting so, average in the year of our Lord 2022, Anthony. Why not, Steve? Why because, can't you because, talk batting because, average? You know, you, know what, you know why? Because the White Sox as a team have the fifth highest batting average in baseball. Where do they rank in terms of run scored? Not good. Exactly. That's situation hitting, Steve. That's a it, problem. It just and goes it, to show that batting average is empty fucking calories. So it's, you don't. So you can't go look at batting average with runners in scoring position. Get out of here with that. It's empty bullshit. fucking They're, calories. Why is that empty calories? You get because, a hit with runners in scoring position more often than not. You're going to drive in a run. You didn't see it today with Yasmani Grandal in his one hit that he had with a runner on second base. But guess what, man? Like, what stat are you going to here to quantify any of this? Slugging percentage. You the, win in 2022 with slugging. Period. Okay, so That's don't it. you have to hit the fucking ball to get slugging percentage to go up? You hit the ball in the fucking air and hit the ball hard. This team hits the ball hard straight into the fucking ground. I've seen plenty of warning track fly balls at this point. So are they hitting the ball hard enough then? You tell me. The, the answer is no. I get, I get an alert from Twitter that says barrel alert. It went 113 miles per hour. How about fucking drop a single in between? They drop singles like, more than just about any team in the fucking league. It's all situational. It's all situational. Yeah, yeah. Again, what, literally, what, what did I just say? What did I just get done talking about here? They have the fifth highest batting average with two outs. And literally, you have all these fucking situations where you have guys like – Yeah, but like, you need yeah, runners on like, base like, with like, the highest – runners on base don't in order run to well, do And that. then guys just hit fucking singles and they don't score. Yeah, but you have a it's inflated because those are singles with two outs with nobody on. You want me to pull the numbers on the on the total number of singles they have as a team this year? Sure, I'm sure it's astronomical. I'm not in disagreement with I, you here. I, I all right, we, we can all go. All right, I didn't realize I was stepping into violence however, here on Sugs on Dip post game show. However, I, I think I can kind of split at least some of this. We were talking about the importance of power there. Obviously, we know the long ball. Ball go far, team go far. That's a very simple concept. We all agree to that. We, we all, all subscribe buy to that all, theory. Right, exactly. So, A, there's that. We can start off with that. And then, B, um, when you're talking about this, obviously, 
you, you go and look at like some of these ridiculous stats and you're talking about what was it? Aaron judge has 45 home runs. And then the Sox like top guys basically have combined for like 46, right? Wasn't that the one floating around out there today? Well, that's where you've seen that. And then it's okay. Well, why aren't the white Sox putting up, you know, runs in chunks? Well, guess what? You score multiple home runs on one play, or excuse me, score multiple runs on one play by hitting a multi-run home run. So, yes, Tony, in your eyes, yes, there needs to be guys on base, but that can come via walk. You can reach on air. You can hit singles. Okay, yeah, you can do all that. However, you're not going to get any game-breaking plays, things that will raise your win probability, things that will put runs in that first column that's so important there in those three at the end uh, of the scoreboard. Uh, when we're talking box scores there. Um it's much easier to do that when you're hitting for power, and that's where the slugging comes in. So I hope I can bridge a gap there in violence hour on Socks on Tap. You do a good service here, Johnny, as moderator. You are, if nothing else, a man of the people. All right, I'm glad I could. All right, let's talk about a situation, guys. This is kind of general, and obviously a lot of vent- venting that needs to be done about this team. And We've done it all year, and we're going to continue to do it because um, they make us upset. Right. And one thing that was really upsetting to me was in the top of the second tonight, guys. It feels like every time we get on here and we're talking about a loss, it is a wasted opportunity. Not very opportunistic of the White Sox in the second inning. They load up the bases with one out. Even before it gets to that, Yohan Mancada has guys on first and second, nobody out. Uh, EK's looking. That was just one of at least, what, two, three tonight that he had looking. I know another one might have been swinging as well. However, then you get. Uh, Bases loaded after a walk in there, and then Gavin Sheets flies out, and then Lenny Sosa strikes out. Bottom of the order there, yes. However, these are the types of situations that the White Sox need to take advantage of, and they have not for the most part all year. It's kind of just been the White Sox way all season, unfortunately. A um, little bit of bad luck kind of mixed in there with Abreu losing his footing, going to try to tag up. But that's been another bugaboo for this team this year is shaky base running. Um, in a situation where MJ Melendez lost track of the number of outs in there. So if Abreu doesn't lose his footing in that spot, probably ends up scoring. And, and the Sox get on the board first, and who knows what happens after that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you got to find a way to execute, um, you know, you know, Gavin obviously hitting hitting that ball and then uh, Lenin just not being able to put the ball in play at all in that circumstance with two outs. That's how you end up losing the game, eight to three. You know, unfortunately, in this day and age, as Steve likes to say in uh, the uh, what is it, Steve? Uh, the year about the year of our Lord, 2022, the White Sox have absolutely zero room for bad luck plays you have zero room for bad luck plays a because you got yourself there and by playing shitty baseball through the first half and and some change of the season and b because no one in this fan base cares that you lost your footing on that play because guess what you can you can go look at the replies on twitter.com to every single final score that the white Sox lose it's fire la russa fire menachino Fuck this guy. Fuck that guy because you lost. So you've afforded yourself no room for leeway. So it doesn't matter. Even though we can sit here and get mad about all this stuff and then sit here and rationalize, hey, if Abreu scores on that play, this might be an entirely different ball game. That's off the table now because the instant reaction's hot and the instant reaction is, is it in the left-hand column or the right-hand column? 
So it doesn't fucking matter if Jose Abreu almost got close to scoring a run because at the end of the day, people are hot on this team because they're not in first place right now. And what the expectations were set at the beginning of this season, they've underperformed. So it doesn't matter if you're not going to be opportunistic as Johnny loves your first or your last at this point in the gospel of Ricky Bobby. And that's the end all be all. Right. I mean, that's what matters at the end of the day, right? You, you want to strike in that left-hand column. And Tony, I think that's a, you know, it can be harsh and seem like kind of like, you know, overreacting at times, uh, maybe from some aspects of it, because you can go and look at a play and the subjectivity of it. However, um, this team, like you had said, going back to another thing you talked about, not, you know, being allowed uh, bad luck uh, plays, something like that. Well, guess what? If you're sitting up eight games in the division, you can live with something like that. Sure, you'd want it all cleaned up and you want to play clean, crisp baseball, as we love here at Sox on Tap. But they have no room for that at all. No, no room for error is unfortunately where they're at. And then maybe that is uh, resulting in them pressing a little too hard. But at the same time, you could also go and look at a lack of emotion and say, are they pressing hard enough? Uh, that's where kind of my mind would slip and you could kind of go uh, either way uh, down that road. So um, guys, we don't need to get into all like the kind of back and forth here. We'll touch a little bit on uh, another um, sort of opportunity that the White Sox had uh, here and how they did actually score. But uh, it was Johnny Cueto day on the bump and this guy goes out and he gives, um, you know, gives his all every single time. And this is one where he, you know, only ends up with two earned runs on the day. There was a situation where the White Sox were giving away outs, uh, Yohan Moncada specifically, uh, and it broke open an inning. And that honestly kind of seemed to be the unraveling point. But, hey, Johnny Cueto, done dirty once again by his offense. You know, on a night where he obviously did not have his typical pinpoint command, he battled his way through six innings, and he should have left with a three-to-one lead. Unfortunately, the defense did betray him there in that sixth inning. Um, but I've talked about this a number of times with him. This is a guy that is a professional starting pitcher. This is a veteran and someone that the young guys on this rotation should be able to learn from. When you go out there, when you don't have your quality stuff, you find a way to get through a ball game and give your team an opportunity to win a baseball game. He did that today. He didn't have the good stuff, but he still kept this thing close enough to where they had a chance to win a baseball game. I have nothing left to say about Johnny Cueto. Um, he's like, honestly, it's just a joy to have seen him in a White Sox uniform. The work ethic, the way he battles, everything else. I think you can pretty much take that and know that that's what you're going to get from him every single time he takes the mound in whatever uniform he's putting on. I, again, nothing else from that. It's just, it sucks that they didn't give him the run support that he needed today, Johnny. And the, the thing about Johnny Cueto is, you know, you're probably going to see on his Instagram story or on his Twitter tomorrow, it'll be something about forward and about, you know, uh, the team and, uh, you know, you know, trudging through adversity, something of the likes, just because that's the kind of guy he is. But at the end of the day, I will say, close it up with Johnny Cueto deserves better uh, than this White Sox team offers behind him because he gives it his all every single time. And obviously the numbers too, when you go and look at that six innings, sure, scattered nine hits, however, three runs, only two of them earned one walk, four strikeouts. 
still another solid outing. He gives you a chance to win. Uh, White Sox not able to take advantage of it. Obviously, we mentioned some of those uh, issues there. Let's talk Yohan Moncada and his dumb fuckery. You could go and take the plate approach here, uh, or the results of the plate, I guess, or you could take uh, his kind of meltdown in the field a little bit uh, on some of the plays in was at the bottom of the sixth that kind of really uh, turned the tide in this game in favor of the Royals. Well, I'd like to start off with the plate approach here. I, for the life of me, cannot understand what he is trying to do in the batter's box right now. I have talked for several years about the fact that he is far too passive in the batter's box, that there would be times where he would actually work himself into quality hitters counts, 2-0, 3-1, to get a fastball to drive. We saw him do that consistently in 2019, and he drove the baseball, and that was ironically enough, his best season in the major leagues and in a White Sox uniform. For whatever the reason here, I he's not going up there looking at fastball for fastballs. And it makes no sense to me how you can be at the major league level right now and, and not just trying to zone up fastballs. Even when you get ahead in counts, he's consistently taking cock shots, 2-0-3-1, that are, that are right there. And then... What happens? He goes and gets painted right on the black with a strikeout and sits down looking. So whether this is a a scouting issue that is happening or whether this is an approach issue that is coming from Frank Manichino or the analysts within this organization, something's got to change here because this guy should not be taking as many hittable fastballs as he is and the results are showing it ain't fucking working i remember a time when everybody asked are we worried about yohan Moncada?" and a lot of people would laugh in your face and then i saw twitter accounts today change their name about yohan Moncada, and then i saw big other accounts from national coverage units say they're worried about Yohan Moncada or close to hashtag done with Yohan Moncada. I've seen so many people fall off the Yohan Moncada train lately that it makes me beg the question after I wrote the article about Yohan Moncada and the great debate, whether or not the last thing I said there, that it's the player who gets to determine the end of the storyline. If the player is writing the right story right now, because everything looks horrible. I put out a poll or a question on Twitter before this season started. What are we expecting from Yohan Moncada this season? And I got a bunch of responses from people who said that, uh, you know, he's going to hit close to 20 home runs and you'll see that average back up towards 2019 because a lot of people want to believe that Yohan Moncada is going to be good. But when you start to see people who've backed Yohan Moncada on social media for such a long time, all start to turn on the same day. I think that involves some sort of investigative research, at least if you're an inquiring mind, to sit back and say, why? Why is everybody so close to done with Yohan Moncada? I don't know. I've got to use my resources. Steven, I'm going to turn to you here. This might be the next Socks on Tap investigates files. Why are we getting close to done with Yohan Mancata? Is this your way of saying that I need to start visiting barbershops in East Chicago to get to the root cause of the Yohan Mancata issue? 
Is that what you're telling me, Anthony? It might be. We might need to send you Or do I need to go check out the Hooters in Maryville? Whatever it takes. You're on assignment. Noted. Right. And and Tony, the simple fix might be as simple as, doesn't he perform better after a haircut or some shit like that? I saw that on Twitter. I I definitely retweeted it. I think he might need a haircut right now. That's got to fix it. I know earlier this season... We ran a poll. What does he need to do? I think somebody suggested a slump buster. Johnny, I think you suggested shot collars. I said he needs to get back on the Twinkies. We might have found the answer. Maybe he needs to go get a good haircut. Yeah, that could be it. He needs a fresh fade there. Okay. Um, That does it for Mankata there. Um, obviously we could go ad nauseum and I'm sure there'll be other instances that bring this up, but, uh, that was kind of the extent of it. I guess we could talk, uh, in the field there. I mean, I really don't want to relive that bottom of the six, but that just opens the door, right? When you give teams, uh, outs, even bad teams, they're going to go and take advantage of it. That's exactly what happened. Uh, luckily White Sox were able to escape with the tie there. Uh, but then Jake Diekman comes in seventh inning and, you know, I will, I will say, I don't want to go and pile on him. And obviously this did end up being the deciding run. However, he has been fairly solid, and he knew that he just missed his location on that one. Um, and Melendez is a fairly decent hitter, and obviously was able to connect on that. So I don't think um, we should really pile on um, Jake Diekman here. But I don't know. Thoughts on first blemish here? Because then he could also go and turn that the other way and say, oh, well, even Rick Hahn's one addition can't get the fucking job done, right? <laughs> I mean, it's the volatility of bullpen arms. You know, you're, you're going to have outings where you go. And, I mean, let's be real about this. He was one pitch away from getting out of the inning, tied at three, and makes a mistake out over the plate. Melendez hits it out of the ballpark. I think people forget with MJ Melendez, this is a guy that hit 40 home runs across the minor leagues last year. Um, so this is a player that the Royals are counting on to be a big part of their next core group, along with uh, the likes of Bobby Witt Jr. Um, and, and some of the other guys that we're starting to see come up to Barbecue City right now. Um, you know, Nick Prado, Vinny Pascutino, you know, mi- mixed in there too. Um, and, you know, made a mistake and got got. A couple of thoughts here. Number one, I'll go to the Vinny guy. Boys, I, I want Vinny in a Chicago White Sox uniform just because we need a stronger Italian presence, as our guy Steve would say. He's a left-handed hitter. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Gavin Sheets. Yeah, he's been right a Sox there. killer, so he's subtraction been a from them is already yes. addition for us. We right? can get, yeah. If we could get Vinny in a White Sox uniform, Johnny, I can't imagine the Sopranos memes that we would be able to create here. Right. Just want to speak that into existence somehow. Uh, Rick Hahn or whoever the future GM of the Chicago White Sox, if you're listening to this, <laughs> Vinny's yeah. our guy. Rick Hahn get fired. <laughs> so you're laughing now. Now, I I, I want to bring it back to Jake Diekman here for just a second. Johnny, you said, you know, there you could go a, a bunch of different ways here on how you analyze this one. Steve, you said he was one pitch away. I'm going to go back to something I said just a little bit ago. There's no room for that shit anymore. There's no room for it. So guess what? I'm going to take that second route you gave Johnny and go, I'm going to pile it on this. You came in, you said you wanted to pitch every day, Jake. We've given you your praise here. Sometimes you need tough love. You can't do that shit. You can't miss your spot because the room for error is, is, is zero. The room for error is zero. There is 
absolutely no excuse for anybody not to perform in a way that is going to make this ball club win right now. This White Sox team hasn't been good enough to give themselves the benefit of the doubt. And you can't take the silver lining. He was one pitch away from this at this point, at this juncture right now with how critical this shit is. This was supposed to be the easy, the easy part of the schedule. Bum slaying tour. If you're going to bum slay, you got to execute 100% of the time. And if you're not good enough to execute against the Royals, why should anybody expect you to execute against the Houston Astros? This shit has, has got to stop. It's got to be one way or the other. Either we're here to win ball games or we're here to miss narrowly. It's as simple as that. There's there's going to come a time during this schedule where the Sox and the Twins can beat up on each other and Cleveland's got Kansas City. And unless Kansas City plays Cleveland the way they play the White Sox, the math is starting to not add up in favor of the White Sox winning this division. So you don't have room for error, error here, Jake Diekman. And yeah, if that's Rick Hahn's only addition – and this ball game, which was easily winnable, if it wasn't out, outside of Jose Abreu slipping up, where did the where does the excuse line stop? I guess is is what I'm getting to because no, every single time we watch no this hold, team, there's fucking yeah. eight different things that we right. can all go it, play the butterfly effect on. I'm a big fan of it, but sometimes the butterfly effect has to fucking stop because good teams great teams don't have the butterfly they effect. Done. they right. just get the fucking job done. yeah right and that's definitely a different situation if fucking idiots yon mancata gavin sheets and lenin sosa at the bottom of the order can do something in the second inning i f- firmly believe that so all those guys they deserve plenty of uh shit too then tony absolutely gavin and i'll be talking about it in the backyard tomorrow yeah well he sucks so couldn't couldn't even uh you know get a hit and a reach on an error uh you know the White Sox gifted their runs I guess in this one so and then that's where I want to go to you guys on this because obviously you had to take the shot here so let's let's hear it does Adam well, I mean, Jake, get yeah. the job done there sure no none of them do because the it's it's just the it's a stinky aura around it and obviously the offensive problems are top to bottom there is you know. Outside of the Abreu surge that you saw, you've had, you know, maybe a couple chapters of Vaughn Gone Summer tossed in there. But obviously you're getting nothing from um, Yasmani Grendahl in the power department. Um, Yohan Makata, not nearly as consistent. I know he did uh, hit a home run in Tuesday night's ball game, but um, it goes top to bottom there. And Adam Engel, um, for, you know, as much as you kind of thought that this guy might step up and maybe show some of that pop, uh, that we thought that we had. Well, he, we know he has because he's a strong guy, right? And we saw like him launch a ball in that 2020 wild card series. No, it probably doesn't happen. I don't think I'd honestly go and do that about the only person I could trust in that situation that you'd probably want to put in there. It would be Jose Abreu just for the leadership qualities. And it is the month of August. So th- that's where I would go. That about be about the only one that I would, I would have put Jake, Ber- I would have put Jake Berger in for him, but guess what? He ain't here. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's another I mean, you want to go down rabbit holes. I mean, how much different is that if he doesn't have an A, I know there was the injury to start with and that was right pre all star break. Is this thing different? Is he around if he doesn't have an illness that delays that start of the rehab assignment? Who knows? It's crazy. 
crazy. That's a that's a good rabbit hole question, Johnny. Right. It was just kind of an awkward timing thing. So then there was like four days off. They had it in in turn uh, in conjunction with the MLB All Star break. So I don't know. It, it, maybe he would be back up here if he was on a faster track, uh, get, getting back into the mix there. And then obviously you'd have to make corresponding roster moves uh, to be able to free up space for him. But um, you know, need a bat. Hey, that's it. We're talking about, you know, we go and we get in these, you know, kind of rabbit holes here of this Tony. It's and you talk about, oh, is there any hope for it? And it feels like no, never. But fresh face in there, Jake Berger, A, what would be a roster move to make to do that? And B, could he actually um, provide the pop? We know we saw there was a little stretch there uh, and it felt like he was hitting balls out of guaranteed rate field specifically uh, pretty frequently. It's home stretch coming up. Who knows? Black Mirror, the 2022 Chicago White Sox. I mean, it's a different face. That's that's the, that's like where we're at right now. It's what can you do? Because you didn't add anything at the trade deadline. So there's no new faces coming in from different teams. Uh, I would have to be coming back up from AAA, right? <laughs> Just throw your hands up at this point. I love that's, that this is where we're at right now. I mean, this that I love it. Know, this is where we're at within the show, yes. But I think it's a metaphor for where we're at in the season, too. Because we've done this show multiple times, guys. So this ain't the first time we've talked about White Sox offensive votes. This ain't the first time. Can I, can I choose violence here for a second? Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. James McCann has the same amount of home runs as Yasmani Grandal in half as many ball games this season. That is a fact only he also as steve said we should choose this slugging percentage it has a higher slugging percentage than yasmani grandal look nobody nobody here is arguing that yaz hasn't been fucking awful this year i know yeah. you're not i know you're not arguing that because the stats and the eye test both say that yeah. but that's what's that's what kills me about this team if i can just get this out here is that they go and they spend money on a guy who they should bring in that on paper makes a lot of sense. Everybody gets excited for it. And then James McCann, Lucas Gilito's personal catcher. There was a lot of shit written about that goes off, makes pennies on the dollar compared to Yasmani Grandal. And granted he's only played in, 33 ball games this season has his injury issues and somebody can go and bring up that stat that he has as many home runs as Yasmani Grandal. Why do we have to be the team that guys go to and their career dies? I don't understand it as a White Sox fan. It's fucking painful to have to be able to just sit there and look at that stat and go the storyline behind it is just incredible because I don't want to tell you that. I don't want to read this live on air. I don't want to read that James McCann has the same amount of home runs as Yasmani Grandal, and then everybody get all up in arms every single time I'm watching a baseball game and the Sox go down in the second inning and they say it's over. It's over because of reasons like that. Right. And I'm frustrated re- with that. Reasonably. Yeah, no, I think everybody should be frustrated with that. Obviously, it's a lot of money committed, too. So when you go and talk, talk about the return that you're getting uh, for what you're paying him, uh, it's not great Bob.gif, right? Uh, but the reasons for that is, A, the White Sox can't have nice things, and B, that's a White Sox. Uh, and then, C, I will say that it's always even, something. Well, okay, that's C, it's always something. And D, 
you could not have projected a crater like Yasmani Grandal has experienced this year, even if it was going to be a drop-off from the end of last year. And I think that it's easy to go and forget that because as soon as that leg got repaired last year, surgically, and he came back, he was slugging. He was hitting home runs. He was lighting up the fireworks. He had a home run in that. I know Lori Garcia had the multi-run home run. He hit a home run in that blackout game, uh, the one game that they did win in the playoffs last year. Um, he, he was a productive player down the stretch. And even if he would have just regressed to more of his kind of career norm, right, um, it still would have been at least some production. You're getting nothing out of him. And, Steve, I don't know about you. I, I could not have predicted this, and it's – Thoroughly disappointing, especially. I was a big fan of it. I was a big fan of the signing. I liked what he gave us in 2020. Um, obviously, the first part of last year was tough. I liked what he did when he came back, though. He showed a resurgence, and he talked the talk. He talked the talk, then walked the walk when he said the second half's a fun half. You know, wouldn't miss it for the world. Well, he didn't miss it, and he didn't miss too many uh, opportunities to hit balls out of the park. Not the case this year. Yeah, I mean, look, if you, if you look at his first two seasons here, he had a – an OPS over 900 in both of those seasons. You know, everybody wants to talk about the the 2020 season. Look, it was the same. It was 60 games for every team. Okay. And he came back off the knee surgery last year in the second half and was literally one of the five most productive players in all of baseball offensively from that time. So, there really was no way to kind of see him cratering the way he has. Now, obviously, there's risk anytime you have a 33-year-old catcher with knee issues. That is something that can lead to a precipitous decline quickly. You know, and that's something that, you know, look, it's the White Sox, you know, so you, you almost have to kind of build in that risk factor with it. But nobody – Nobody saw him being one of the worst offensive players in the entire league this year. I think one of the things that's even more frustrating about it is that he's not walking this year because pitchers are, they know they can challenge him because nobody's afraid of him doing any damage this year when he impacts the baseball. So the famed Yasmani Grandal um, strike zone knowledge and, and understanding of the strike zone it's gone out the window this year because pitchers are just openly attacking him because they have no fear of recourse against him. Sad, sad state of affairs that we find ourselves in here. Uh, that's just one uh, of the many problems though, guys. Um, we can go all night with this, but we do have a game tomorrow to get to a quick turnaround. Uh, it, it is a mat- name matchup, 1-10 PM. Uh, it'll be Dylan Cease on the bump against Zach Granke for the Royals. Um, feel like this should, you know, you always feel pretty good about Cease, and I do. I feel good about him on the bump. However, I worry if we're going to score any runs for him. I think they'll score runs for Dylan Cease. Uh, this, tomorrow's game has the traditional White Sox. Everybody's so down today feeling, and then they'll come out tomorrow because it's been a few days since you saw an offensive outburst and – it just has that like comeback game that gets everybody drawn back in. Um, so I think they'll give runs for Dylan Cease. They should have gave runs to Johnny Cueto tonight. I don't know where they're at. So they're, you know, they're past due on their bills. So they're going to have to pay extra tomorrow. 
Yeah, I like that, Tony, because they are a 500 ball club and 500 ball clubs play 500 baseball. Yes. And they would not be 500 in the series if they didn't record a win in the series finale. So mm-hmm. the math checks out, Jonathan. <laughs> Look at uh, us doing math on socks on tap. Who would have thought? Not me. Not in me. A, yeah, in, in after dark hours, too. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we're at, though. Yeah, no, this is where we're at. Um, I mean, positives, I mean, you can't take too, too many from tonight's game, obviously, besides Johnny Cueto battling. Um, but we talk about going forward here. It's still in cease day. And I will say, as frustrating as all this shit is, we have a Cy Young candidate on the team. And it is a joy to watch him go out there and pitch every fifth day because the stuff is nasty. He makes big league hitters that have been able to tear up other pitchers look absolutely foolish. Like they've never picked up a bat in their life, much like the White Sox offense looks at times this year. Right. But Dylan Zeese does that with regularity. And I will say um, I'm still going to be down in the dumps morale wise about this team entering. However, seeing that slider wipe somebody out with the sword will put a smile on my face. I can at least say that for a positive <laughs> at the end of the show. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, the one thing that we can really look forward to. Um, You know, over the course of his last 13 starts, he's been one of, if not the best pitcher in all of Major League Baseball. So you go into this thing feeling like you've got a chance, at least, and, and that you might see some dominating stuff out there on the mound. So that's kind of what, what we have at this point. Go White Sox. Yeah, let's take one question here. We got one here from the comments. It says, what would be the downside of bringing up Colas right now? Thought that was interesting. Let's end it hot here. Um, go ahead, have the floor on this Okay, question. so so I'll t- the, the downside of it is you see a guy rushed to the major leagues without a lot of minor league seasoning, and then you get 2021 Andrew Vaughn. Or Gordon Beckham. Choose your poison. Um, Gordon Beckham was afforded the luxury, though, of dominating in Double A and seeing Triple well, A pitching, though. Yeah, that matters. That's that's true. Um, you know, uh, the Andrew Vaughn comp is probably better. I think the downside of bringing up Colas right now is it. It kind of goes with what Steve said. You want him to be a productive MLB player for the Chicago White Sox. And if you want that, you want him to follow the same developmental track as you would put anybody else on if there wasn't pressure to bring him up and fill a gap early um, because you have a need. Some guys can do it. I don't think that Oscar Colas is, is the guy that has the ability or the talent to overcome that type of jump without doing severe damage to his development plan. It's kind of more exaggerated on what Steve said, but Colas isn't the next Mike Trout. He's not somebody who's going to come up here and just be an automatic guy. So you have to, if you're the White Sox organization, weigh that. I don't see where he really even fits in with the roster construction because you're going to have to do something then with Eloy Engel and everything else that TLR is doing with the uh, uh, outfield roster construction, I think it could potentially take at-bats away from Andrew Vaughn. In this situation, if you bring Colas up, 
I would just say hold off for right now. That's just kind of my thought. You'll be just as pissed off when he's as terrible as all the rest of the guys in the lineup. It's not going to be a fresh face that comes in here and lights the world on fire. And I know it's, oh, you'll never know if you never, you know, give it a try. Well, um, there's a reason why these guys are on development tracks. There's a reason. Well, if Luis Robert is supposed to be, you know, what next, you know, Cuban Superman, right? Why wasn't he up just straight from single A, right? I love like, that. <laughs> like, you know, like, seriously. Why, like, why did Eboy and he, he, need extra seasoning on yeah, defense? And, and Robert was the one, though, with all the five tools, and right? And he was the, you know. But I understand that was a different part of the rebuild here. But you can't just do that to plug and need. Because, like I said, then he will struggle, and then his development will be then kind of trash. Go ahead and look at a Blackhawks situation there with Kirby Doc. They rushed him out because they wanted to sell some tickets. Uh, they wanted to push, try and compete that year, and uh, that did detrimental things uh, to his development there. So um, th- that's where I'd stand on that. But, all right, glad we feel the question there. Guys, um, let's go out and get a goddamn win tomorrow. We need it for our mental health. The White Sox need it in the standings here. Um, I'm hoping, I have not looked yet, but I'm hoping the Dodgers are smoking the Twins right now, so at least we can have that scoreboard watching solace here. Um, we shall see how that plays out. But, listeners, everybody, thank you for tuning in uh, on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. is where you need to subscribe. Go join the comments like we had with our questions here. We enjoy taking those live on the show. Visit ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. And find us on social media at SoxOnTap, at ontapsportsnet. All right, gentlemen, 500 teams. Got to rest 500 in the series tomorrow. Let's get a dub. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.